Hey, Howard Jacobson here. Welcome to today's Plant Yourself podcast. A quick reminder, this podcast is free for everyone and supported by patrons. So if you would like to find out about becoming a patron of the show and helping us out, helping defray the cost, helping to spread the message, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. Thanks so much and enjoy today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of Plant Yourself, Well Start Health and Sick to Fit. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a spiritual and satisfying life. So today's guest is Justin Luria. Justin is a Facebook friend of mine, and I met him through a friend of a friend on Facebook. His comments and when I started following him, his posts spoke to me in a really profound way. And he's writing, he writes about spirituality, but not the way anyone else I've ever read has written about spirituality. He is sort of a, a theater critic of spirituality. He has a long and impressive spiritual resume from studying energy healing to shamanic work. And he's currently, as he says, living a muggle life. He manages an online bookshop. He stepped away from being a professional spiritual person, a professional healer, and is really in recovery from a lot of what the spiritual world and the self-help world do to us. And he pointed out a whole bunch of things that I kind of felt in my soul, but honestly, I was sort of too ashamed, too shamed to talk about because it felt like, well, I'm being unspiritual, I'm being unkind, I'm being negative. And I realize there's all these ways in which the modern spiritual and self-help culture are not counterweights to our grasping, rapacious, fast-paced, me, 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 egotistical consumer culture. They're just wrapped in a different cloth. And a lot of the spiritual practitioners and self-help practitioners are actually taking advantage of us. And that's not to say that their work doesn't have value or merit, but there's a dark side. And if we don't see the dark side, we can easily become fawning acolytes and perpetuate the harm. So before we get to the conversation, a quick reminder, uh, if you listen to last week's coaching session with Ian Lawton and you'd like to work with me as your health coach, I'm not taking any new clients until April, but you can sign up and you'll be on the waiting list. And you can do that at plantyourself.com slash laser. Second reminder, The Sick to Fit Retreat in North Carolina is coming up June 4th through 7th. You can find out more about that at sicktofit.com slash NC. N for North, C for Carolina, both lowercase. All right, let's get to it. Without further ado, Justin Luria, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Hello, Howard. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to this conversation a lot because your postings on Facebook have have both <laughs> bewildered and comforted and and guided me in ways that I didn't entirely realize I needed until I read them. Uh, so we're going to be talking about sort of the the spiritual world and the material world and and how they kind of coexist. But for, first, tell us a little bit about yourself and and your path and what you're up to now. Sure. Um, so. Uh, at the moment, I, I have just an ordinary uh, muggle life, as I like to think of it, um, managing a, an online bookshop. Um, but leading up to that, I 
went to energy healing school, um, maybe the closest thing to Hogwarts as, <laughs> as exists in the West, um, and shamanic practitioner school. And, uh, and since I was about 12, I've, I've been searching for, for spiritual meaning and, and for healing. Um, and in the last few years also, um, I've, I've kind of been exploring the, the troubling ideas of, of how spirituality and the spiritual path isn't necessarily always uh, healthy, um, either to follow uh, or, or what's there out there on the path. Um, and even just, just having thoughts like that, that, gosh, maybe maybe some spiritual stuff um, is unhealthy and, and is out of balance that opened up a path for me which has been uh, full of questioning and um, difficult reflecting um, and um, I've, I've sort of been exploring how the spiritual community and the self-help community of of the modern world um, is, is kind of really just the the, the culture um, again and it's um, maybe not the the panacea the the sacred medicine that that it's sold as and presented as um and it has, has stuff to offer for sure um but yeah just just exploring this has been my preoccupation for the last few years and uh um it's been difficult and troubling and, and very rewarding and um and there are some people who seem to enjoy being troubled along with me <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah thank you <laughs> Yeah. And one of the things I appreciate about your writing and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this is sort of both your your humility and your willingness to kind of really be vulnerable, vulnerable about where you're you're profoundly confused. Like you don't like most spiritual people I know or people who you know sort of capital S spiritual who sell it in some way, whatever their past struggles were, they don't have them anymore. So when I think of, you know, Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie or, or any of the, you know, thousands of, of variations, yeah, they went through their stuff, but now they're on solid ground. And it feels to me like you're not writing on solid ground in that same way. Right. Um, well, th th that's certainly true. Um, what has helped me a lot for that is... Um, uh, if I say the Me Too movement, I don't mean strictly what this happened during the time when that uh, became um, when the movement happened and, and subsequently because everything about the Me Too movement was there before, of course. Um, I, I've been, I suppose, lucky um, to have known spiritual teachers who have the very um, hmm, how to put it, um, like the real pedigree um, that um, I idolized and looked up to, um, and but also very strong dose of um, the human condition <laughs> to them, um, and um, and that the human side was was sort of not looked at, and gosh, as I notice myself now as I'm as I'm saying this, I'm I'm saying it in the sort of euphemistic way that that, that gets talked about in the spiritual world already. Okay, so <laughs> I, I I I went to some like really good, powerful spiritual teachers and healers, um, and they would uh, shout at their students, they would make their staff cry, 
um, that they would not be interested in investigating um, um, sort of misdemeanors happening um, in their organizations. Um, so me seeing this and being willing to to see it really gave me pause. Um, and and I, I have read accounts of of people uh, who've worked closely with people like Byron Katie. Um, and um, what can one say other than that? Uh, it, it, yeah, sure. Often these people have a profound spiritual experience, um, and they kind of make a, a method or a, a career out of that spiritual experience. Um, but it hasn't transformed their personality, um, and this is sort of evidence and uh, definitely in their off-stage behaviour. Sometimes even in their on-stage behaviour. Because if you if you watch videos or listen to audios or sometimes even just read the writings of of the kinds of people that we look up to in their spiritual scenes and their self help worlds, and if you allow yourself to to look and to listen, um, not not very cynically, not not with a sort of hardness of skepticalness that someone would who doesn't believe in any of this, but just being curious and and listening more with your conscience and um, and, and and with your human heart. Um, and, and I've, when I've done this, I often find a lot of these, um, a lot of the statements that are said, a lot of the teachings offered to be very lacking in kindness, um, and also to be very ungrounded and disconnected from the world, um, to the extent that it can, might, it might be something which is applicable only to fairly well off, say middle class-ish uh, people, audience members in the West. Um, I'm thinking now about, say, sort of law of attraction type beliefs, but absolutely is not applicable for for someone living in poverty. Um, and so, having these kinds of open-minded, uh huh, kind of thoughts that this doesn't really fit outside of mm. a narrow context, um, that that made me realise that these people are people too. Um, and that what they're presenting probably isn't how it seems. Um, and I felt that the, the best gift I can give, that the best example I can offer um, is then to be blunt and honest <laughs> about my own um, spiritual path and uh, personal shortcomings and human foibles and uncertainties um, as someone who uh, in some ways... In, in, not in a grand way, but um, I mean, for, for a time, I, I, I loosely would have been maybe thought of as a spiritual teacher. I had a very tiny healing school, <laughs> um, and I was a, an energy healer and a shamanic practitioner. Um, so, uh, in some people's eyes, that that was me. Um, that was me in a, in a near enlightened state, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I take very seriously kind of a responsibility to, to disabuse people of any notion that um, having an interest and, and even an amount of experience. And um, by, by now I have probably 21 years on the self-healing path. Um, but that, that doesn't mean much. <laughs> so, yeah. So so let me ask you about some of the specifics, because I remember the the first time I felt like, I was under the sway of something like one of these teachings was 
probably you know 25 years ago when I first encountered someone lent me a Tony Robbins tape set. And I became I became very clear to me that anyone who wasn't successful, who wasn't manifesting their greatness, it was because they just didn't know how to get into state or they were unwilling to get into state. And I would actually like walk past bums on park benches thinking, boy, if only they could get into state. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so then, you know, then there was the secret and, uh, you know, Abraham Hicks. And and there's a lot of that stuff that I find personally very empowering and very helpful. And yet there's a way in which it's, it feels like it invalidates experience. And, and maybe my experience should be invalidated because it's totally, you know, cynical and based on material reality. And I don't really believe that there are, you know, ancestors and spirits and angel guides and and synchronicities and things like that. And maybe it's all true and I'm just being a, a, a hard ass um, or like my experience is being invalidated because I look and I see poor people and I see, you know, uh, we lived in Africa, South Africa for a year and I saw there was a lot of people there who were poor, you know, and I don't think it was all because they they weren't, you know, in alignment with it, with with universal principles of wealth and my family, you know, most of whom were decimated in the Holocaust. And I don't think it's because they were just carrying around negative thoughts all the time. How do we navigate the good that can come from, you know, manifesting and and thinking positively and not being in resistance with the world? and the the evidence of our own eyes sure um really good questions um and and just to preface all of this i probably should have said this earlier uh, and, and whatever i say is is just sort of my own musings and ponderings for like where i am now um and i'm, I'm not really i'm not claiming any definitive um higher truth or anything like that so just just, just to say that um one thing to say is that so the the stuff it, it it might work um you know it might be successful and effective at, at manifesting and helping you create the life you you desire and so on um but that's not necessarily still a good thing um so uh, the, the the wishes that people often bring into into their manifesting practices um are frankly often very uh i guess we'd call them e egoic wishes <laughs> um and um you know just just some real basic economics or maybe not economics but some some grounded thinking um the world can't sustain um for for the population of the world to to live in uh high luxury and um to have the Kind of quote unquote abundant lifestyle that that probably every vision board is adorned with, uh, you know, it, it can't sustain the current level of abundance. <laughs> um, there's um, so it's it's maybe not uh, the the power of a human being to to manifest a life um, that I'm sort of trying to question, but but more what we're trying to manifest and and what what a good life. Um, what, what that is and what, what that means to us. Um, and so when, when you have teachers who really don't have anything to say about that other than just whatever you want, you can have it, so long as you align with the vortex and get your thoughts 
to order and so on. Um, is is that really in spiritual service, uh, let alone to the world, but even just to me, if, if what I'm doing is, is sort of wish gratification um, and uh, getting the, the, the things that I would ask the genie if I had three wishes, uh, that kind of thing. Um, because everything else, the, the deeper wishes and needs of, of, of a life well lived, um, I'm not sure if they're amenable to uh, to sort of law of attraction style techniques. Um, this is the, the crafting of, of deep friendships and maybe one or, or several sustaining relationships over the course of your life. Um, it's being able to contribute to the world in a way which which nourishes you and the world. It's living in right relationship with the world. Um, uh, things of that kind, and I'm—I found myself very skeptical of teachers who who don't have anything to say on that, and, and all they have to say is, "Whatever you want, you can have." Um, so this is a slightly different sort of way of thinking than kind of the way that you framed it and you asked it, but but that's how it goes with me, um, and um, yeah, I I find myself. Um, frankly unimpressed with the spiritual path or uh, even if it works um that, that can that promises to deliver whatever it is i want um we, we we need to deeply examine what it is we think we want um because i've no doubt that tony robbins techniques can can really help you um make a killing uh, um, and that choice of word there is semi-pun intentional um it, it it will in the dog eat dog world of of the sort of capitalistic business industrial extraction etc um, world and culture that that we live in um, it is absolutely possible to to learn to win that game and to to get better at doing so um, and um, I have little interest in in winning that game. Um, I'm, I, I am interested in, in exploring how it could be different and um, what, what living life well might mean outside of the, the context and the, the worldview of this is what success looks like, which is, of course, an industrialist, capitalist uh, view of success. Um, yeah. How's that as an answer? <laughs> You still hear me, Howard? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I can't hear you. I can see you speak. See your mouth move just then. Uh, how's this? Is this working? Uh, now I hear. Now I hear you. Yes. Okay. Good. Sorry about that. Um, all right, I will. Uh, now I have to do some editing. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I just manifested that work. Okay. <laughs> so, um, 
So what, what I was sorry, what I was saying when you couldn't hear me is that um, I think you quote, I think it was Matthew Rensky, um, that spiritual practice is meant to be countercultural. And the kind of spiritual practice that gets delivered to us easily, you know, if we're just sort of like you know, walking along and we get it on Oprah or in magazines tends to be sort of like handmaidens to industrial capitalism as opposed to, um, you know, arguing with it or subverting it in any way. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, he, he, he wrote that in an article about Tony Robbins. Um, and I, I think the full quote, which I love, um, how did it go? Um, yeah, spirituality is meant to be countercultural. And, and this, meaning like the self-help spiritual world, as it often is, is the culture on steroids. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what a good rendition of it. <laughs> I wish I'd said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. It's, all, it's, it's almost like a new, it's a new form of, um, you know, sort of uh, the, the, the Protestant work ethic and, and chosenness, right? That people, and I see this a lot in folks down, you know, in Silicon Valley and the, you know, and, and, and in their the sort of hangers on. I was in the internet marketing world for about 15 years, and there's a lot of, of that, of, you know, the, the adoration of success on its own terms. Um, and the idea is that if you're, if you're struggling, and, and many of us are, that's the, the problem is in your mind, in your mindset, and, and you, you know, you need you need to like invalidate something of your own experience, yeah. um, and so how you know like how do you how do you not like what's good in in that? Is there anything because because there are times where I feel like okay I'm I'm pushing too hard I need to surrender more, right? And then something serendipitous might happen. Um, where you know where what, is there a baby in the bathwater? I guess is what I'm asking. Mm. And, and even surrendering, you've got to get better at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I need to go to the $10,000 surrender retreat. The $3,000 one didn't work well enough. <laughs> yeah, I've got to increase your, the, the efficiency at which you surrender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a, a big dose of of my worldview on this now was was born from my own um, my own several years of depression and and inability to engage in the world in a productive way, um, and um, noticing that the more I tried self help techniques on myself, the worse I got, and realizing eventually that uh, really there was no way out but through, um, and um, so a few years of, of being depressed and dwelling inwardly, as we would say. Um, yeah. And is, is there a baby in the bathwater? Um, sure, sure. Uh, and it's really difficult to, to, to figure out what's what. Um, uh, what, what. The way that I use to um, try to discern the difference um, and... Um, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but but this is the test I use. Um, I I ask myself if it seems kind uh, to me or to other people. Um, 
and if, if it's if it's humanizing or if it's dehumanizing um, if it's accepting and embracing of me or other people as we are now or if it's um, trying either overtly or in a sort of subtle kind of way to uh, to effect a change um, and, and and even that it's it's, it's not that you know, we want to always be stagnant and always the same. Um, you know, I, I don't want anyone to to be remaining in suffering. Of, of, of course not. Um, <clears throat> but um, I think we just got to realize that a lot of our suffering, if we are heavily invested on the spiritual path, is kind of generated by being on the spiritual path. <laughs> hmm. um, kind of like if, um, if, you, if you have a friend who... Um, who who points out uh, uh, what they think is, is a flaw in your face, and and you've never worried about that until now, and, and now you are worried, um, and and that's kind of how the self help health help side at least of the spiritual path can kind of be. It sort of it can rob you of um, uh, essentially sort of just innocence um, enjoyment of of yourself as you are, um, and kind of make you neurotic uh, about yourself um and and so a lot of a lot of my observations and what i have to say to people is is along the lines of trying to sort of undo the um like, like almost the curse that that they've taken on by um by sort of adopting a, a critical negative a negatively critical view of themselves that um that has come out from from these things um, and, and yeah, the, the, the baby in the bathwater, the same methods of inquiry and techniques, um, you can certainly use for your personal development. Um, I think you really have to start from a place of deep and secure, um, love for yourself and, and, and wish for, wish for betterment. Um, and, hmm. Well, let's 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 take a specific example. So so one of the people whom I really glommed onto when I first discovered it was Byron Katie. And, you know, first, um, you know, her book, Loving What Is. And it became clear to me like this was the solution to everything. And the types of problems I had were very often things like, you know, that asshole cut me off in traffic. Yeah, where I would, you know, and then and I could see immediately the value of, you know, her, essentially her brand of cognitive behavioral therapy was just to, yeah. to, to ask these questions. And I, I, I reveled in the delicious ironies I found in my own projection. And so so yeah. where does and doesn't that work? Um, you know, where where is that helpful and where, where does it lead to this curse? Sure. Oh, um, really good question as well. And um, I, that particular question, I think about a lot, and I really encourage everyone to uh, to take that on as a serious, um, long term <laughs> inquiry. Um, um, I, I, and and I, I loved Baron Kate as well for for a long time. Um, and loving what is was was very important to me for for a long time. Um, and it was very helpful for me for a long time. Um, and then I think what happened is I sort of uh, had gained the benefit that um, internalizing to an extent um, that sort of CBT reflection, reflective quality, um, what it had to give me. 
which, which was just a way of, of you know not taking my thoughts too seriously and um, uh, being able to extract myself to, to pull myself out of um, overly hardened or ossified ways of thinking. That's that's good. That's useful. Um, it's not unique to Byron Katie, of course. It's you know, a very foundational sort of Buddhist approach, um, and in cognitive behavioral therapy as well. Um, where it certainly stops being good, and where it stops being medicine and becomes poison, to use a Buddhist phrasing, um, where it starts being uh, weaponized against people um, and uh, stops being compassionate. Um, and uh, stops including the world in it. I, th I think that's maybe maybe a line we can an arbitrary line we can draw. Um, if it's just about your your thoughts about things, um, sure. Um, but if if it's then uh, gaslighting you, um, and well, that's uh, for, for people who don't know, thing gaslighting is um, a, a way of making someone disbelieve uh, their experiences um, and it's uh, a typical abuse tactic in, in abusive relationships um, if the work or any other healing approach or self-help approach is being used to um, really to deny a person's um, experiences and uh, not just not just to say Okay, this happens, and yes, it was bad, but um, but you remaining trapped in the experience—that's no good for you now. Not to say that because that, that's kind of okay, um, but more to say uh, the events might have happened, but any damage done to you, any harm you have endured, um, how you. Um, and furthermore, those behaviours, those actions, which might be um, something as egregious as um, uh, sexual assault or, or genocide, um, that they are not intrinsically bad. It, it's just our thoughts about them that make them good or bad. Um, so, so then now we're into the realms of uh, a sort of a almost a religious value judgment about the world um, and uh, a sort of a non, an attempt at non-duality, which totally ignores the human conscience, um, and to to believe something like that 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 the Holocaust wasn't a bad thing; it's just something that happens, neither good nor bad. Um, to believe that, you really have to ignore your conscience. You have to override it and uh, gaslight yourself. You sort of spiritually lobotomize. Your every part of you, which is going, no, no, this is, it was a bad thing, and and I'm sure we've all done it. I've I certainly have done my share of overriding my my innate sense of um, sort of moral compass uh, to to agree with spiritual teachings or a spiritual teacher, um, and yeah, this sort of happens on mass uh, collectively with a lot of the the self help stuff, um, right. and ironically, it is right. often those more egregious like really obvious examples that that help break the spell like okay so if this stuff isn't true about the holocaust then maybe also it isn't true about a lot of other stuff that you might have chalked down to being your projections um maybe maybe it is true that 
have been mistreated and um when you sort of do the work on yourself it it robs you of your ability to uh defend yourself against it and um yeah so this is the sort of the start of the unraveling um starting somewhere obvious that we can all agree most of us um that you know it, it it doesn't apply it's not true um it's it's an exception um and um that, that seems to set off a, a chain reaction for people that that leads to a kind of a liberation <laughs> right i can remember a couple of my own like very salient byron katie moments one of them uh, i was on a a business trip to England away from my family. So I had like, you know, 10 days to, you know, I was walking around, I was listening to her in headphones. And so I didn't have any like, you know, grounding influences on me. And she was telling a story mm. I, I, it was in one of her books about like her husband ate the food that she was planning to eat. And instead of being angry at him, she was just delighted at this new turn of events, this new surprise wonderful surprise in her life. And I'm like, yeah, that's what, how my wife should be when I screw up. She should just be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and walking around with this sort of like really strange, confused, asshole-ish self-righteousness. Um, <laughs> and, and the others, I remember you know, I watched a video where she was working with a woman who um, had been the, the victim of, of sexual abuse as a child. And, the, you know, if, for people who don't know the technique, the four questions, basically getting you to question, can you absolutely know that something is true? And then the, the turnaround where you kind of say an opposite statement. And she was coaching this woman to basically say, instead of he abused me, I abused him. And like, I've been abusing him in my thoughts all this time by be, still being angry. And like at that point, it's just, it just, I just felt like slimed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess people who, who are, you know, big proponents of, of the work would say, well, if everybody did it, you know, then people wouldn't abuse other people and there wouldn't have been a Holocaust if all the, you know, Germans in 1935 were uh, were doing the work and not projecting. Um, but still, it, fe it feels like a, a a very specific tool that you that is the right thing to use in certain circumstances and the absolute wrong thing to use in others. Yeah, yeah, you, you, that's it. You've said it. Um, um... And it would be great for the the person in the uh, abusing role to to do the work, maybe, um, and absolutely inappropriate to um, to give to the person in, who's who's a victim in this. Um, there's, there's a case to be made that that later down the line, um, if they want to, they they can do some some reflective work around that and and see that. Um, and if they want to investigate the ways that maybe the occasions they were assholeish, um, or or not or not in, you know what? I'm even, I'm, I'm kind of even loath to say that. I'm, I'm giving you the official line of of, of when the work is useful. Um, you know what? What's just far better, and it's probably better that we're clear about this. Uh, when a person is um, either recovering from abuse, or or even especially when they're trying to 
leave the abusive situation or, or just to come to terms that that's the situation they're in or were in. That is not the time for them to be um, uh, sort of looking at the, the, the tiny, small, inconsequential ways that, that they might not have been their ideal self. Um, but that's a time to, um, to, to leave the abusive situation and um, to, to be kind to themselves and to seek out their support network um, and to make sure that, that they're okay and that they have help and are being helped um, and are healing from what might have been a very difficult, damaging time. Um, and because of, of the sort of uh, the difficult relating that can often happen in, in an abusive relationship or abusive situation, um, it is, I'd say, like really unhealthy to, to, to try to take on the, the burden of, um, of self-improvement during that time because um, it, can, it can feed into the, uh, the, the, the thoughts of, oh, well, well, this person abused me because I, I provoked them or um, I wasn't good enough for them in whatever way. I, I failed them. It's, it's my fault. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure we can all recognize those kinds of thoughts, even if we've never been in an outright abusive situation. But um, if, if someone is or has been, um, then uh, it's, it's really unkind and, and unhelpful um, and maybe even dangerous to, to, to get to do something like the work. Um, yeah, they, they, they could go back to their abuser if, if they really believe their turnarounds and um, if they gaslight themselves and think, okay, so what happened wasn't abuse. And actually what was happening was that they were abusing the abusive partner. Um, I mean, gosh, yeah, it, it's, I, I've, I, I've known, I've, I've seen people um, uh, suffer for, 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 for this kind of thing. I, I'm not pinning all of this on, on Byron Katie's method, but... Um, right, but um, there, I mean, there's so many like that. And, you know, there, there's, I was, yeah. I was, something came across my feed, the uh, Hoponopono, this is the... Take on a, on a Hawaiian word. I have no. I have no idea if there's anything traditional about it. Where you just keep repeating, like "I love you," "I'm sorry," "Please forgive me," um, and yeah. the but the idea of a lot of this. So here, here's another. I'll throw out another problem that I have that I don't understand where to go with. Um, so I work with people on their physical health, on changing patterns and lifestyles of diet, of not exercising. And most of the work is actually mental mindset, spiritual, because the, you know, the details of what to do are very easy. And, and very often I sure. see people who like the narrate, the, the words that come to my mind are they're in victim mode. And for me, victim yeah. mode means they're they're not taking responsibility that they're looking there. Everything was, you know, what happened to me? And that's and they're telling themselves stories and they're telling me stories that reify their, uh, you know, excuses. So I'm just I'm just putting out all my judgments here. Um, and that there's some, there's something about the spirituality that we're talking about that demands that people take full responsibility for their lives right now, which is a damn healthy thing. <laughs> and so how do, how do we, you know, 
am I wrong? And, you know, like, how, help me navigate because I can see the potential for harm and gaslighting in saying I take responsibility for causing the abuse and for, you know, I, I, or even for my own part, my own contribution to the abusive situation and and just, you know, staying stuck. Help, help me with that. Sure. 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 Um, yeah. Also really fine wondering. Um, um, so for me, there's a real big difference between um, acknowledging uh, how things are and how things got to, to where they are, what, why things are as they are um, and that they are as they are. <laughs> um, that, that's not necessarily your fault or because of you. Um, and even acknowledging that is, is often quite a big step away from, you know, spiritual views that have us manifesting our entire lives. Um, if, but of course, it, it, it is our responsibility to to what we're doing now um, and the choices we make now. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely, it's 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 down to down to us to um, to navigate our lives and to navigate the world. Um, and the the line that I draw is. Um, uh, really trying consciously not to believe that uh, everything about a person's life is because of their vibrational state or that mm. they've manifested it through soul contract or things like that. Uh, I mean, may, may, uh, who can say I'm, I'm not really a mystic uh, if, if that stuff is, is real or not. Um, but, but when you think of it in, in that kind of way, um, that um, a person has has had a, a lucky life or unlucky life, um, uh, whether that's down to their karma or their spiritual state or, or or things like that, rather than looking at the bigger picture of of what society is like and what the state of humanity is like at the moment. Um, yeah, it's kind of looking at the wrong place, and you know, acknowledging that. Um, people have different socioeconomic advantages and disadvantages and, and different levels of privilege and so on. Um, that doesn't let you off the hook for that. It's your life. No one's going to, uh, help you out. Um, unless you get really lucky. Um, but, but neither are you going to, um, spiritually manifest your way <laughs> to, to significant changes. Um, you know, you have to put legwork in, um, and so that, that, that for me is a sort of like a, the, the healthy compromise balance position, um, acknowledging that it's, it's not really your fault, how, why things are and how things are now. Uh, nonetheless, it's your responsibility to, to work with what you got, um, and, um, and, and, and striking the balance there. Um, and, and also not, um, not falling, uh, victim, um, no, no pun intended to, um, uh, to the to the mores and the beliefs um, about um, what would be success and what is failure in cases like this, because, um, for example, in the physical health, there are absolutely some conditions which, um, uh, frankly, are, are chronic or degenerative, or um, they're really not going to get better if if, if you are having them because, say, you live in a city and you're reacting to the pollution in the city. Um, and and you know, maybe you can uh, do some things to, to to help yourself and to alleviate some some of what's happening. But um, um, we we want our approach in this uh, in 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 our way of 
helping ourselves and other people to be inclusive of and aware of um, all, all of the intersecting factors that that are at play here. Uh, and uh, for me, the the bigger piece and what I try to to talk about in the sense um, is dethroning the individual small self from the center of the universe in that um, and, and putting society and culture and, and even just the human condition um, as the center and um, and then your own personal stuff is there as well uh, and, it, and it influences and makes a difference but um, uh, but, but, you, but you aren't sort of the magical star um like the lead player in uh, the drama of your life because because the world doesn't evolve around you and your life. Um, <laughs> you are, you know, you, you are um, a, a particle in the, in the great uh, stream of consciousness and <laughs> all that business. And for the most part, the world is indifferent to um, to us and, and, and what we want. At least that's, that's my belief where I, where I am at now. Um, not to say that um, it's not filled with beauty and, and, and even that there aren't uh, spirits and guides um, who care deeply for us and, and, um, uh, and, and, and so on. But um, um, just, just to acknowledge that um, our, our lives and our well-being, um, of course we want to strive to live well and, um, and to be healthy and to, and to be happy. Um, but, um, but life is bigger than us individually. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not the first person to to observe or to say that a lot of Western unhappiness comes from uh, the, uh, the, the the great weight that we, we put on ourselves by by being so um, uh, e- egocentric and, and insular with that. Um, yeah, it's it's a great burden. It's, it's like asking a child to, to grow up too quickly. Um, Making each of us into um, like like a um, a, a god, the, the god of your own life. Uh, that is also a burden, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, and you have. Yeah. I'm looking at a wonderful post you did in November on Facebook, but you're basically saying you're not going to attract a negative outcome into your life by dwelling on negative thoughts. You aren't that powerful. And near, yeah. near the end of that. You, you, you tell like you give actual advice, like and you, you're right, like get out of that friggin vortex, let the wind greet you by caressing your cheek and the sunbeam warm your back. And like what comes to me is like, oh, the spirituality that I have found that that moves me most deeply and makes the most sense is basically Mary Oliver poetry. <laughs> mm, right. oh, yes. Right. Like, oh, like I like I thought I didn't think of it like until like just now. But it's like this, you know, the the thisness of the moment of being fully embodied in it and not trying to make it more than it is or less than it is. Right. And and like so, I mean, one thing I want to talk to you about is um, the idea of, of the body. And and sort of somatic trauma, because, you know, it, it feels like the way we use a lot of spirituality, whether it's Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie or other things, it's sort of this trampoline that keeps us above, you know, we're, we're always we're always like floating up into the positive. And, um, you know, my own spiritual 
journey has involved something called the pathwork, which is like as deep a dirty dive into the the you know the 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 dark murky corners of my soul as as I was able to do. Um, and it was, you know, it was an acknowledgement that a lot of pain, a lot of trauma lives in the body and that thoughts and emotions can't get at it. And I know you've, you've written about this some. What, what, what are your thoughts? Huh. Um, just to ask quickly, uh, Eva Paracas, that pathway? Uh, yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eva Paracas. And again, you know, and again, there's the whole, um, you know, channel and the guide and the... You know, my experience with yeah. it was was with people who were um, blessedly agnostic about anything other than our <laughs> our what we were doing in that room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the healing schools I went to is is based on the teachings of the Pathwork. Um, oh, that's not Barbara Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Um. And just a quick thought as, as it comes to me, um, as you were asking this, I mean, gosh, what if uh, this is the kind of thought I just like to entertain? It's it what takes me and puts me into trouble. Um, what if spirituality is as we know it and think about it like now in this modern world? Um, what if that is what we have instead of innate spirituality and, and connection? What, what if that's the compensation and um and, and the the wound of absence um, from something more innate about um, a human life in, in the way that you know, animals don't have spirituality per se, um, but they live their whole lives naturally. And mm. gosh, m might not might not that be true about us as well? <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember yeah. reading reading in a book that that they, so, someone was it was a book on spirituality, and the person was critiquing sort of Western organized religion saying that they it's an inoculation of spirituality. So you don't catch the full disease. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but like you, you write about like, you know, specifically Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle is having their, you know, their transcendent moments, but not healing themselves. Like they become somehow, you know, transcendental, but they aren't healed in their in their bodies. They sort of they've bypassed. Right. Can you talk about how yeah. how, how we buy and I don't want to you know keep picking on them because I, I I've I've really gotten a lot out of both of their work. Um, I'm just, you know, like like you, I'm, I'm I'm interested in exploring where it becomes harmful. Where do you see just you know ordinary people like you and me and spiritual seekers bypassing and neglecting to address physical trauma. Hmm. Really good question. Um, and just to say, I, I don't dislike Eckhart Tolle personally. I've, I've, I've also liked him for a long time, um, but not useful for me lately. Um, gosh, where did... Where did people start using this as a bypass um i mean it's it's so ubiquitous and big that it's almost better to ask it the other way around um when in spirituality contemporary modern day spirituality and self-help is it not a spiritual bypass um 
I'm being a little bit cynical with my phrasing of it, but we're almost there. You know? but actually, but actually, as, as, as uh, soon as you started saying that, I thought, well, that's a much more useful question, actually, because that that, yeah. that can guide us to something instead of away from bringing everything. Yeah. Um, and, and when you think of it that way, it then also invites you to to wonder about the purpose of spirituality generally. Um, because for me, it has to be more than just like a hobby. It has to be more than just like an interest. Um, and a lot of people's approach to especially new agey spirituality, um, it's, it's a sort of hobbyist approach. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but the way in which people approach it, like, like learning, um, learning about crystals and their healing properties and, and what chakra does what um it's it's with the same level of sort of geekery um that i as a massive geek will approach learning about um the the enterprises systems on star trek hmm. um and um if if this stuff is real if if the crystals do do what they're meant to do then i guess it kind of is useful if, if you're using them for healing um, but you know, if you're going to let yourself be skeptical, a little bit skeptical about it, is it then actually that useful? Um, and, um, what you might ask yourself, because I ask myself this all the time, um, the people who are really into those things, um, are their lives noticeably better, uh, for it? Um, and do they get to the difficulties and issues and challenges that they bring to their spiritual practice from their spiritual practice. Um, and I, I, and also ask about myself and, and my issues and difficulties. And, uh, I, I, I gotta be honest, often the case is, is it doesn't help. Um, or at best it sort of, it, it, it does the thing where, um, there's, um, a bump in the rug and you step on the bump and it disappears under your foot and reappears elsewhere in the rug. Hmm. Um, so it kind of like, like a, a dog chasing its tail for, um, and, and so we're, we're then back to, well, is, 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 is the whole premise of this, is it kind, is it loving or is it, is it a, a grown up, um, spiritual version of, uh, a teacher or your parents wagging their finger at you when, when you were a kid, um, chiding you and telling you off for not being good enough and not um not meeting the arbitrary point at which um you go from being bad to good or or something like that um and and then when i start to think about that uh, i mean then everything seems to make sense <laughs> um and um for people to invest very heavily into spiritual practices um, if, if you come to it with that, that awareness of that, maybe we're, we're doing this, trying to be good in inverted commas, you know, by which I mean a good little boy, a good little girl, um, because we feel ourselves to be, uh, unacceptable as we are, um, or there's something profoundly wrong with us. Um, if, if you have that kind of awareness or that possible, of that might be possible. And then you, Think about your own meditation practice, your own self-healing practice, uh, the way in which you have pursued your your spiritual path. Um, just wondering 
how how loving you've been to yourself all this time and uh, how much of your quote-unquote growth and development um, has been you becoming more yourself and how much of it has been you uh, trying to stretch yourself and frankly disfigure yourself to to be more acceptable um there's no right or wrong answer for these kinds of wanderings um um yeah well what what yeah what what comes to mind for me is 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 an extremely mundane example um foam rolling like, like just getting on one of those rollers and rolling on your muscles that hurt when you roll on them. And like yes. for years, I kind of I kind of would do it like, oh, I have to, you know, this is good for me, which is, you know, the same way that I would approach meditation or eating or anything like, you know, like that, that inverted quotes, good thing again. Yeah. Where right, where I have to be good. I have to walk for a hundred miles in the desert, repenting. To to quote Mary Oliver, or to misquote her on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then uh, a friend of mine, my business partner, who you know, he got me to become a runner, and um, and he was talking about the importance of foam rolling, and he said, I think of it as just hugging myself with the foam roller. And that just that mm-hmm. little phrase changed everything that now I'm, I'm like foam rolling like 20, 30 minutes a day out of it's, it's not, you know, pleasure in the same way that, you know, eating cookies is pleasure. But I approach it as like, this is me loving myself, as opposed to this is me disciplining myself, fixing myself, punishing myself or any of the other ways that I could interpret the kind of pain that comes along with foam rolling. And, and I've discovered underneath the pain, there is sort of a delicious happiness that comes from knowing that tomorrow I'm going to run better and that I'm not going to have a backache. And is, is that sort of the the mindset shift that it's, it's not necessarily the, the what you do, but the the attitude and the intention you bring to it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's very few stuff that I would unequivocally say, this is bad. Don't do it. Um, mostly it is, yeah, the, the, the intention and the mindset and, um, the way that you do it. Uh, I mean, you can sit down in meditation, uh, <clears throat> and a, you know, just a traditional typical meditation and it can either be, uh, not, not either, but it, it could be taking you deeper into yourself and into contact with your trauma with your body with with what's alive in you now or it could be you could be lifting away and, and sort of peeling away and frankly even dissociating a little bit um uh, there's more things that could happen but but you know just sitting in meditation doesn't um tell us anything about what's happening <laughs> um yeah, so, so yeah, the foam rolling is a really good example. And, uh, yes, I, I have personal experience of, of, of the roller. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah. yeah, I'm looking at my my notes. I guess the the, the, la- the thing I kind of want to roll up with is so you said like what the prerequisite of any sort of spiritual work or growth of any kind is a deep and secure love for yourself. And like, if I knew how to help people get that, <laughs> you know, I would be Tony Robbins rich right? or or I would be, you know, like I'd be very happy with myself. How what where how can you 
help me and help people think about coming to that true deep self love when maybe the you know, the thought patterns are negativity, all the shame and guilt that's been locked into our ourselves and our vibrations. Mm. Um, for me, uh, it's been what I think of and, and call um, radical acceptance. Um, it's a practice, uh, which I guess will look a little bit different for everyone. Um, but you, you start with with what you can manage, like where you are, what you can do. Um, and uh, gosh, you, you just you just do your best, which is limited always, um, to accept and, and love yourself as, as you are now. Um, and you might notice and know that you are a sort of writhing, roiling bundle of anxieties and negative thoughts and horrible judgments about other people. Um, and um, so a large part of it is, is shift, shifting, as again, as best you can, and it's a process, uh, your mindset away from seeing that in yourself as um, inherently bad uh, to understanding that it's, it's how you are now uh, because of what life has brought you, uh, your upbringing, um, what's happening in the world around you, uh, the culture that you've inherited, um, your your genes, your your epigenetics, your, your, your what you eat, your diet, your physical environment. Um, any other person in your shoes, having lived the exact same life you've had, um, and if you want to get metaphysical about it, having also lived your past lives, <laughs> they would be going through exactly the same thing you are now. Um, so there's there's really no no sort of moral failing um, uh, about any of this. Um, and um, of course, you don't want to necessarily stay stuck in suffering if, if you are in anguish or, or going through a difficult time. Um, but uh, it's just a process of re-educating yourself away from the, uh, the Western um, dualism of good and bad, um, with the understanding that you are bad, <laughs> of course, it, it, even when you're good, uh, it's, it's to sort of to cover up the badness. Um, and ju just to discover slowly and in your own sweet time, because you know, probably it takes a lifetime, um, the, the, the aliveness and, and um, the inherent uh, isness of, of you and, and your life and, and the world around you. Um, and that, um, uh, yeah, you, you, you may have stuff that you wouldn't particularly choose to have necessarily, um, but that doesn't detract from, uh, from your humanness in any way. Um, and that really what, what makes a, a well-rounded person and a, a deep human, um, isn't that they are picture perfect. Um, but they, they have the, these scars and the scar tissue, um, and the baggage, and the the distortions and the misalignments and um, uh, all, all the stuff that <laughs> comes from and makes for an interesting life, hmm. um, and and this is what we all have. And uh, uh, you, you might imagine the perfect person. God, that'd be boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
at the very least, they would be quite numb and emotionally, spiritually shallow. Um, or if, if they sort of have great spiritual depths, as you might imagine an avatar might, um, that, that doesn't usually also go along with um, a picture-perfect life in, in the real world as well. You know, it usually is accompanied by uh, a difficult life, tragedy, suffering, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like Mary Oliver. She's, um, uh, all of our all of our poets and um I, I i think now now i think that our mystics um and spiritual leaders uh they're not the ones living in ashrams mostly um they're the ones with the courage and bravery to uh to put to paper or to um put to lyrics and, and write songs and poetry um out of their challenges and their difficulties and the, the pain in their lives and uh to to paint what they see in mm. themselves and in the world um and and through their work we can recognize life a glorious beautiful sometimes terrible life um and that's that's as fine a spiritual path as any and that certainly has been what's what's been claiming me uh, lately in these last few years rather than trying to open up my crown chakra more um <laughs> Yeah, I think my crown track was quite open enough, like, yeah. having done as much meditation as I've done. <laughs> so I was going to ask, yeah. I was going to ask you about like, are there spiritual teachers that you you know do recommend that you give you know Justin Laurie's two thumbs up to? And then I thought you gave me a great invitation to ask the question when you mentioned you know radical acceptance, and I looked over at my bookshelf and I've got Tara Brack's radical acceptance book. But you threw me a curveball just now that I love around like artists and, and musicians and poets and writers. So like, I'm really curious now, like, who are some of those people for you? The and I'm, th I'm specifically interested in like songwriters for some reason, like musicians whom you feel are for you um, presenting spiritually valuable material. If I if I mm, might, um, <laughs> feel free to feel free sure. to tell me to fuck off if you don't want to. Talk. <laughs> sure, not not at all. Um, so, uh, one such uh, artist, um, Nick Cave. Um, I I've come to him quite late. <laughs> I haven't known him for long, but um, uh, I've I've listened to one particular album, Ghostine, uh, over and over and over so many times. Um, he lost, uh, his son, his son died, um, uh, probably a few years ago now. Um, and he writes his, his loss and his sorrow has deeply informed his writing and his music. And that's certainly in the album. Um, and that has opened me up, uh, in ways that, 20 plus years of um, chakra related stuff hasn't. Um, and um, I've been uh, a little bit afraid to, to go back to listen to that since um, uh, one of my own dear friends um, died. Uh, and Nick Cave's son, um, uh, I think he took his own life. I may 
um, might be misremembering. I think that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I have a friend, well, a few friends who have have taken their own lives. And uh, one dear friend who I found out about recently. Um, And uh, yeah. Mm. And uh, I haven't listened yet again to to Nick Cave's album. I I know I will um, weep very deeply again, uh, bitter tears for next time I listen to it. Um, but this, this is this sort of heartbreak. I would, uh, I, I do wish on all of us. Um, I, I don't want us to suffer, uh, but I want our hearts to, to break to the, the, the joy and the sadness and the, uh, deep beauty of the world. Um, and I want whatever it is that we claim and think of as our spiritual path to to help us to do that and to show us the way to that. And I don't want us to get too caught up in spirituality and spiritual practices that that don't even know about that, let alone have it as a goal. Um, f- for me, non-heartbreaking <laughs> spirituality has has just it's become a distraction. It's become f- fluff and something that's kind of okay for what it is, but um, it's it's more like it's clogging up my soul and um, finding and moving to the poets and the musicians and uh, the, the the people who seem to have skillfulness in in the crafting of and portraying of of sorrow and grace and beauty um that's where it's at uh, yeah, yeah you, your, yeah. your words thank you I'm, I'm i don't know nick cave's work i'm gonna go look him up as soon as we get off the phone but your 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 words remind me of you know leonard cohen's probably most quoted line <laughs> from anthem that there is a crack in everything that's how the light gets in that that yeah. uh, you know the spirituality that seeks to preserve our hearts without allowing them to break naturally against this world, this heartbreaking world, um, keep, keep, yeah. keeps us separate. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Hmm. That's uh, that one line of his. That's one of the um, few handfuls of sayings which has uh, sustained me in my spiritual practice for, for many years. There are a handful of such things. <laughs> And isn't it funny that a single, um, beautifully wrought observation um, can can give us more than uh, years of workshops? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, I see the I see the workshops for at least for me as the, you know, the rototiller. <laughs> like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. That's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah. Right. Gets you, shakes you up, gets you ready. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So for people, I know you're you you cop to being an ordinary muggle at the moment, and you're not you don't have an energy healing school, and you're not doing shamanic practice, I guess, publicly. Is there a way for people who aren't your friends on Facebook to follow you and and get the benefit of your essays? Sure. Um, yeah. I, I my my Facebook profile of, of Justin Luria, L-U-R-I-A. Uh, that's public um, and uh, I'm happy to accept friend requests and, and follows and so on. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I might in the future compile some of the things I've written and and, and make a, a book out of it. But but I, I'm lately mostly a little bit embarrassed about what I write. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, when I do write, it's it's because I feel a really strong urge and I can't not, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> rather than out of a wish to um, be constructive. It's it's like I, I just have to do it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah, you'll. I'm um, sure you know how to manifest a book when the time is right. <laughs> Maybe so. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I can also recommend um, people to follow on on Facebook. Um, Great. There are two who I love. One is called Red K Elders, and um, another one is Red. Um, Red what? Uh, Jason. Uh, Red mm-hmm. K letter K Elders E L D E S. Okay. Great. And. Uh, Yep, and Jason Hine, H-I-N-E. They both write so beautifully. I'm, I'm in awe of um, their uh, offerings. Um, their writings are, are like a like spiritual savor, a sort of gift to the world. Um, Great. All right. And, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll find them and put them in the show notes for people to, to follow. Yeah. Cool. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and um, anything else that you want to share before we say goodbye? Mm, um, perhaps a couple more recommendations, if I may. Absolutely. Um, of, of the uh, people who've who've really inspired me in this and um, sort of ignited my flame, um, one is Stephen Jenkinson, who uh-huh. was a palliative care worker, worked with many, uh, I think, over a thousand dying people um, in his career. And uh, has a lot to say on on grief and uh, the skill of brokenheartedness. Um, and uh, oh, I can I can do consider him my teacher. Um, Great, I'll put I'll put and, links um, to I'll put links to uh, Die Wise and his second book and the um, the documentary. Great, great, yeah, yeah. Um, the, not everyone's cup of tea. But that's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, very profound effect for me at least yeah okay mm. great and anyone else yeah um martin shaw my my other um my other teacher at the moment um he's a mythologist and a storyteller and uh martin and Stephen are very good friends and um i i consider them like the um almost the, the yin and the yang of my teaching lately martin is a, a romantic and um offers um uh, delight as a form of, of uh, protest, <laughs> which I love. Ah. Um, and he, he has introduced storytelling and um, the importance of, of myth and story into into my life and into my journey. Um, and has been a really good medicine and antidote for um, for the gloominess, which you know just comes if you know a little bit about what's happening in the world and are willing to have your heart broken. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, and uh, uh, we we need hope as well as despair, of course. Um, so b- between the two of them, I feel well covered. <laughs> <laughs> sort of it rounds out nicely between the two those two guys. <laughs> All right, I will uh, I will, I will yeah. put a, put a, put breadcrumbs onto the website for people to follow as they as they choose. Justin, thank you so much. It was uh, it was such a it's been such a delight to to know almost nothing about you and just read these wonderful 
short essays and rants on Facebook. And it's so wonderful to connect with you today. Oh, thank you, Howard. Likewise, I've loved this discussion and um, it's, it's continued fuel for my own wondering and and thinking. And um, uh, f thank you for, for re-inspiring me as well. It's it's a constant, um, constant grinding away of, of curiosities that, that keeps me on this path. <laughs> Yeah, thank right. you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being in the tumbler with me. And we, we, we knocked off a few of more of my edges. So, um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks again. And um, take care. I look forward to talking with you again soon. All right. What did you think of that? A little bit mind blowing, huh? Uh, hope you're not mad at me. Hope you're not mad at Justin. Uh, if you find that, you know, the teachers that we've been talking about have been very helpful to you, then don't let us take that away from you. Don't let us um, besmirch your own experience. This is a very Bruce Lee-ish sort of episode. Take what is useful, throw out the rest and make what is useful your own. So again, um, traveling, not going to do the long, full uh, outro today, except to remind you that the theme music that you're listening to right now is by the wonderful Will Ridenour. It's called Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of his music at willridenour.com. I'll see you again on Friday with another Friday Fertilizer and again next week with another exciting interview. Until then, as always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Lassert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carl Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Nolly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch at Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, 
Rosie and Kramer length, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganshik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, and Michael Lushton for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>